Hello and welcome to Jamming Digital, which offers insights, analysis and commentary on all things digital in Brussels and beyond. My name is Evelina Kurgonaite. I am a seasoned Brussels Bubble Insider, a former journalist and a digital policy enthusiast. Today, I am talking to Dr. Andrea Jelinek, who is the chair of the European Data Protection Board. And we will be talking about the European privacy rules and about what's currently on the agenda of those enforcing them. Welcome, Andrea. Pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. You are the director of the Austrian Data Protection Authority. You are also an elected chair of the European Data Protection Board, which is an independent European body that was set up to ensure consistent application of the general data protection regulation known as GDPR, as well as to promote cooperation amongst the EU data protection authorities. We are still early in 2021, and I think it would be interesting to hear from you what are the key challenges that uh, European Data Protection Board, or EDPB, is set to tackle this year. As you know, this is the third year of the ETPB being in operation. In that time, we have made significant progress in many areas. We as EDPB can issue guidelines, recommendations and best practices about the GDPR and the Law Enforcement Directive, as well as other documents. Since the EDPB was established, we have endorsed and issued more than 35 guidance documents And in December 2020, the EDPB adopted its new strategy 2021. This strategy will soon be complemented by a biannual work program. This program still needs to be finalized and will be adopted in March. The strategy is built out of four pillars. The first pillar of our work program deals with ensuring greater harmonization and compliance. As such, we will, for example, provide guidance on data subject rights and the concept of legitimate interest. We, the EDPP, will invest increased efforts and resources to stimulate the development of compliance tools. So far, our guidance has primarily addressed professionals with extensive expert knowledge. We now want to start developing tools for non-expert professionals, such as SMEs, and for data subjects, in particular children. Some of the guidance we have included in our work program for the next two years is aimed at further streamlining cross-border enforcement of the GDPR. Our future work program will include the guidance on topics such as blockchain and cloud computing. Finally, the global dimension of our work is very important and we invest many resources in this. Naturally, we will continue to pay a great deal of attention to the international transfers of data. And in this context, we have recently updated the adequacy referential for the law enforcement directive. These recommendations aim to provide guidance to the European Commission on the level of data protection in third countries and international organizations. This will be key for the upcoming UK draft adequacy decision. 
The General Data Protection Regulation, the GDPR, will reach a milestone this year. In May, it is turning three. The GDPR.eu refers to it as the toughest privacy and security law in the world. It is also privacy legislation that has the widest geographical reach worldwide. Though it was drafted and passed by the EU, it imposes obligations onto organizations anywhere, so long as they target or collect data related to people in the EU. It also addresses the transfer of personal data outside the European economic area. Drawing both from your experience as a leader of a national data protection authority, as well as the EDPP chairperson, what are your main takeaways on GDPR three years in? I think there are three. First, stronger rights for individuals and greater awareness. Second, legal certainty for data controllers and processors. And third, the global visibility. Data subject rights have been reinforced and data subjects are increasingly aware of the modalities to exercise their data protection rights. 69% of the EU population above the age of 16 have heard about the GDPR, according to a survey of the European Fundamental Rights Agency. 71% of people in the European Union have heard about the National Data Protection Authority. The GDPR also contributes to an increased global visibility of the EU legal framework and is being considered a model outside of the EU. From Chile to South Korea to Brazil to Kenya to Japan, Many countries around the world are modernizing their privacy rules. The EDPV was also established by GDPR. And so almost three years later, can you share your reflections on how has the EDPP got on? Uh, We already did this reflection exercise last year when we adopted our report on the application of the GDPR, this evaluation report, which outlined our experience of putting the GDPR into practice. We still stand firmly by our analysis from a year ago. Next to providing guidance, ensuring consistency in enforcement and cooperation between national authorities is a key task of the EDPP. One observation that we share as a body of regulators is that the resolution of cross-border cases is time and resource intensive. It is therefore of the utmost importance that national governments fund the regulators appropriately. So far, the majority of cases finalized have been resolved in the cooperation phase without the ETPP having to intervene. In November 2020, we adopted our first binding decision when the Article 65 dispute resolution mechanism was triggered for the very first time. This procedure also worked without any glitches and within the foreseen timeframes which you know are really tight. Finally, our stakeholders with whom we have dialogues via events, workshops and surveys and public contributions, they report that they find our guidance useful, pragmatic, in most cases pragmatic, not in all, and operational. We notice that our stakeholders are keen to engage with us. They are open to sharing examples from their daily practice to help us make sure we address and clarify the issues they have to deal with when implementing the GDPR. The GDPR regulates the transfer of personal data outside of Europe. Yet, that regime has been challenged quite a bit through the CGU case law 
and most notably in the case known as Schrems II. Can you briefly tell us about the case, outlining the main challenges it has created? I think, though, the Schrems II ruling surely needs no introduction. Allow me really briefly summarize it in order to explain to you what actions the ETPP has undertaken. On July 16, 2020, the European Court of Justice invalidated the EU-US Privacy Shield. According to the court, US laws on national security, public interest and law enforcement allow for interference with the fundamental rights of persons whose data is transferred to the US. As a result, the essential equivalence requirement for the adequate protection of data is not satisfied. On these grounds, the European Court of Justice found the EU-US Privacy Shield to be inadequate and invalid. Secondly, even though the court upheld the validity of standard contractual clauses, it put forth important qualifications for data controllers when using such SCCs. Companies relying on standard contractual clauses, but also on binding corporate rules, must assess on a case-by-case basis whether the recipient country offers a level of data protection that is essentially equivalent to EU law. It is important to note that the threshold set by the court for transfers to the US applies not only for US, but for any, any third country. The court highlighted that it is the responsibility of the data exporter and the data importer to assess whether the level of protection required by European Union law is respected in the third country. But EDPP reacted rather swiftly, hasn't it? And issued recommendations on supplementary measures post-REMS too. Could you tell us about those recommendations? What are the key steps you suggest for businesses to take in order to comply with privacy rules? We held an extraordinary plenary and we swiftly issued a statement in the autumn. Uh, we issued recommendations on supplementary measures post ramps too. And did you get any feedback from businesses either at the EDP or through your work at the Austrian Data Protection Authority since those recommendations were issued? Do organizations find them sufficiently clear or are, are they considered to be reasonably easy to implement? You know... Uh, recommendations are never easy because court uh, rulings are never easy uh, to adapt. And so we got more than 200, uh, I think there were about 208 contributions after the uh, during the public consultation on our recommendations. And we are now assessing these contributions and we will see if Uh, it will be necessary to adapt the recommendations, but we are assessing very carefully. And you can imagine these uh, contributions are not one-pagers. These contributions often and often have more than 20, 30 or 40 pages, and we have to assess it very thoroughly because if we wouldn't do that, uh, no public consultation uh, would have made any sense so it's very tough business. It remains to be seen what, what conclusions you will draw from those submissions then, I understand. Yes, we will see when it's possible to adopt the revised uh, recommendations. For sure, not in March.
The so-called standard contractual clauses play an important role in making sure that transfers of personal data outside of Europe comply with privacy rules. Will the EDPP ensure the full alignment with a new set of standard contractual clauses that are currently being developed by the European Commission? We as EDPP welcome the work done by the Commission on the draft SECs to align them with the GDPR and integrate the Schrems II ruling. The EDPP cooperate very closely on the draft SECs. In general, the EDPP and the EDPS are of the opinion, because it was a joint opinion, that the draft SECs present a reinforced level of protection for data subjects. In particular, the EDPP and the EDPS welcome the specific provisions intended to address some of the main issues identified in the Schrems II judgment. Nevertheless, the EDPP and the EDPS are of the view that several provisions could be improved or clarified, such as the scope of the SECs, certain third-party beneficiary rights, certain obligations regarding onward transfers, aspects of the assessment of third country laws regarding access to public data by public authorities and the notification to the supervisory authorities. In addition, the SECs should include a clear distribution of roles of the liability regime between the parties. Transfer of personal data outside the EU to the US in particular has been at the center of a policy debate and case law, as we know. How do you see the new EU and US agenda for global changes uh, when it comes to privacy? Do you expect an improved cooperation in terms of data transfers and data governance? At the ETPP, we want to look forward and see how we can keep the global economy moving while protecting the fundamental rights of data subjects. We stand ready to provide the European Commission with support and assistance to build, together with the US, a new framework that fully complies with the EU data protection law in line with the judgment of the court. However, legislation must clearly specify the circumstances and the conditions in which measures interfering with the right to data protection may be applied to ensure that they are only applied when they are strictly necessary and that they are applied in a proportionate manner. Legislation must also impose some minimum safeguards to allow those persons whose data has been transferred to sufficient guarantees to protect their data against the risk of abuse. The EDPP intends to continue playing a constructive part in securing international transfers of personal data that benefits EEA citizens and organizations. And we are ready to provide the European Commission with assistance and guidance to help it build adequate decisions. Following Brexit, transfers of personal data to the UK are now also outside the EU. And so the EU and the UK government are now finalizing a so-called adequacy agreement that would solve more than one challenge for companies operating both in the EU and in the UK, including data transfers. What are your views on the UK adequacy decision? 
Can we perhaps get a sneak peek of the upcoming EDPP opinion on this? What are the main issues at stake? I think it's too early. The draft has altogether 130 pages. And we will review this draft decision really thoroughly, like uh, always. And we are going to take into account the importance of guaranteeing the continuity and high level of protection for data transfers to and from the EEA. This is the second adequacy decision since the entry into application of the GDPR and the first one since the Schrems II ruling. The board's key objective is to assess whether sufficient guarantees are in place for an adequate level of data protection for individuals in the UK legal framework. We will work on this opinion, like always, in a responsible and thoughtful manner to be able to adopt the opinion within an acceptable time frame. What is an acceptable time frame from your point of view? <laughs> Evelina, like always, as soon as possible. But what is really important is that we assess it very thoroughly. I think uh, it's not a question of years. It will be a question of two or three months. And uh, this will help to solve this issue, I'm sure. As the world is going ever more digital, what do you see as the most important challenges for data protection in our increasingly digitized societies? Our recently adopted EDPP strategy includes a pillar entirely dedicated to new technologies. In addition, in our future work program, we will address matters related to fundamental rights and new technologies, such as guidelines on blockchain, on cloud computing, on anonymization and pseudonymization, but also on the, uh, the question of the use of facial recognition by law enforcement authorities. And I think one thing is really important to mention again and always because um, it's often forgotten, the GDPR is designed to be technologically neutral. Any new technology must respect the core principles of data protection, such as transparency, proportionality, and accountability to be GDPR compliant. Innovation must be responsible. Only then will it be a truly sustainable innovation. Not everything that is legally compliant and technically feasible is ethically sustainable. And how do you see the EDPP positioning itself in the new digital regulatory framework? So, as you know, the European Commission has put forward um, a number of legislative proposals. Um, and just to name a few acronyms, uh, the DGA, the DSA, the DMA. And uh, will you be working with other regulatory bodies? Will you be working with the Commission on, on these regulatory proposals? What is the place of EDPB in all this? We have received a formal request for a joint opinion with the EDPS from the European Commission regarding the Data Governance Act. The EDPB and the EDPS are currently reviewing the draft proposal and we will prepare a joint opinion in March or April to preempt your question. <laughs> Governance tasks and powers of competent authorities in charge of monitoring compliance with the rules laid down in the Act is one of the issues we'll be looking at for sure. DSA and DMA have less data protection implication than the DGA, but still personal data protection plays a role in these proposals. The Digital Service Act aims to improve content moderation on social media platforms 
As DSA involves monitoring of users and online content, there is a direct link with processing of personal data. The digital market Act, the DMA, establishes a set of objective criteria for qualifying a large online platform as a so-called gatekeeper. It is therefore mainly about competition law. However, there are data protection aspects in the proposal, such as combining data and services. One cannot combine data without users' content. Also, the ETPP is interested in the foreseen oversight mechanism and whether it should involve data protection authorities in case personal data is processed. You have an incredibly important mission, both in your capacity as the head of a data privacy watchdog in, in, in your native Austria, as well as the leader of the pan-European body tasked to ensure consistent application of EU privacy rules. You have a decade of experience in police forces prior to your current engagements. What lessons from your prior experience, if any, do you rely on when pursuing your current mission? I think I can use all of my uh, prior experience uh, because uh, working within police uh, means you're uh, protecting the fundamental rights of the citizens. If you're uh, surveying a demonstration, you have to protect the rights of the people who are going on this demonstration, but also to protect the rights of the people who don't want to be um, uh, to be in contact with this. As a team of supervisory authorities, as a team within the Secretariat of the EDPP, we are different teams and working closely together. And that's very similar to police forces, because if you work within the police, you have your own team, but you only can be successful when you cooperate with the uh, with the police team of your neighboring district and your neighboring country even more. And I have more than 20 years uh, of ex experience in the Ministry of the Interior. And I think this, this experience was especially helpful in the crisis uh, from during the last year, because coming from an organization uh, which is always a crisis organization because you only uh, call the police if you have any problem. Uh, this helped me to establish a stable uh, organization within the Austrian Authority, within the EDPP. I think all the experience I got uh, from my previous jobs were important and are still important and helpful. And the experience I've got during the last seven years uh, in the field of data protection for sure uh, helps me uh, and especially the cooperation between the supervisory authorities helps me to uh, fulfill the mission. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. I would also like to take this opportunity to thank my colleagues at Women at Privacy and especially Teresa Basile, the founder of Women at Privacy, who has helped me to make this episode happen. Mm -hmm.